Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yes! Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Be the Right Club Today podcast. How none of our friends joined us today. It's just you and I. Uh, we've managed it before we can do it again, Chase. Uh, we've had some great guests on. We'll have more, but sometimes just you and I talking about things, uh, it can be informational. That's exactly right. So it's it's coming up on on the 1st of June. Um, a lot of our listeners at home and a lot of our students are playing in a bunch of golf tournaments. And I actually played in one a couple, about a week ago too. Um, one of our, one of the, the, the big questions that we get a lot of times from our students and from listeners is what is commitment? What does commitment look like? How do we commit to golf shots? Um, how do we know when we're not committed? All those, all those fun questions. And we've touched on it briefly throughout almost every episode we've done with almost all of our guests, especially with our performance coaches we've had on and then some of the early stuff that you and I did. But Let's take a, a, a deeper dive into what commitment looks like. How do we get committed? Um, what does it look like when we're not committed? Um, all that, all that fun stuff. So, so how in, in your mind, how did you get committed to a golf shot? What does commitment look like? Well, I think committed to a golf shot is uh, um, there's a, a lot of different levels of commitment to a golf shot and you know, most people think commitment to a golf shot is trying to get it close to the hole. Commitment to a golf shot might be, you know, I had a guy in here this morning that uh, he was having a hard time. He was really flipping it really hard. And I said, you know, he wanted to hit it a certain distance. Well, he's shutting the face down, flipping it, hitting it a long ways, but not as uh, consistently and accurate as he could. So I said, let's rotate more through the shot. And let's stop using our hands as much. Let's make that our commitment instead of the distance. And, you know, to me, there's a lot of different levels of commitment. What am I really trying to achieve out here? And uh, that's moving around all the time if you're a player. It's not constantly on scoring. Uh, no, I, I, think that's a, I think that's a really good point from – from an improvement standpoint, we talked about that, you know, and we did a process versus results pod. And, and I think, you know, like a lot of times people, people always go out and play golf and they're always trying to shoot a score. And that can, especially when the golf swing's starting to go to your point, to your student this morning, that was flipping it. When their golf swing's starting to struggle, sometimes they need to go out and make better golf. Their focus and their commitment level needs to be on to making better golf swings rather than completely focusing on distance, completely focusing on score. Um, for going to going back to you when you were playing, how did you let's let's talk about pure performance? We're in tournament mode. We're trying to shoot scores. How did you what what did the 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 commitment to the shot look like? 175 yards middle of the fairway, or hitting a tee shot, or or walk us through like how you how you handled those situations and 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 what again what did commitment look like? Well, first of all, pulling the right club that I know I can be committed to and not have any self-doubt. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I have to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I've got enough club. And, um, you know, I see a lot of kids today pulling 
the smaller club and stepping on it pretty hard. Right. And I, we've talked about this a lot of times on here. I was the opposite of that. I was forced into having to hit it hard instead of choosing to hit it hard all the time. And maybe I was wrong, but that's how I felt like I could produce the most consistent shot that I could commit to. Uh, so knowing I've got enough club is one thing. Uh, certain of the facts, whatever those are, and, uh, you know, the things that I can control, that's a real big point right there. Uh, you know, wind is not one of those things. I cannot control the wind. And uh, that's a, you know, that's a big if there, you know, as to what the wind is going to do. So you, you pull the best guess on that, and then you commit from there. Uh, and then once the shot's been played, you got to accept it and move on. And I, you know, that's sometimes the hardest part of the whole thing. People get committed before the shot, but then they have a hard time accepting what just happened. No, I, I think that's, and that's something that, that our friend, you know, Raymond Pryor talks a ton about is acceptance. And for, for me and talking to a lot of our students, that's, that's probably the biggest issue. I know it was the biggest issue for me. Um, so Let's let's dive in a little bit deeper. You you pick the right or you pick the club that you're committed to. You're you're okay with whatever the wind's doing. You made you made your decision. You're you're you've you've picked a precise plan. So we talk about that a lot. Pick a plan. Have a plan. For, you know, very very precise plan. We're not um, we're not waffling or we're not we're not really guessing on our plan. We're wanting to do. It's it's very black and white. It's not gray. We're wanting to do this. Okay. Stepping into the shot, where was your, you know, or, or what did full commitment look like once you kind of got into that go zone? Well, I kind of gave up the decision-making at that point, stepping into the shot. The decisions have already been made. So then I'm focused on the target. And I'm taking a good last look at the target. I've made a practice swing. And most of my practice swings were kind of half-hearted practice swings. They weren't the – uh, identical swing that I was fixing to execute. I was more or less picking up some rhythm and picking up some tempo and, and, and staying loose, just moving the body basically. Yeah. Uh, but once I took the last look, which was, there's my target. I've made my decision. I look back at the ball, I'm going, and there was no Terry in me. Uh, I trusted. And I think, I think that was important for how, I couldn't stand over a shot for too long. Once I stepped into the shot, I couldn't stand there. And uh, yeah, the, the cadence between your last look and impact, or or your 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 steps getting into your posture and your setup to impact, I think is is really important. Well, it was for me. I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't. I can't speak for everybody out there. I, I will tell you this. I think the most important part of the cadence is from the last look to looking at the ball to pulling the trigger. Yeah. If that takes longer, you're going to struggle because that's doubt setting in. Yeah. You know, once you look at the target, you've made your decision, you go back to the ball, it's time to go. I mean, what else is there to think about at that point? Yeah, it's more opportunity for doubt. And I, and I would say – I think a lot of times people get in trouble when they, you know, say sports psychologists say that 
it has to be a certain amount of time. Like you, you talk about it. You like to see a similar pre-shot routine every time, similar timing. And I think that's fine. But to me, it's your time. It's my time. It's Joe's time. It's Jim's time. It doesn't matter the time. It's just as long as they're consistent with how they live their life there. If you drive cars fast, if you walk fast, if you talk fast, you probably need a faster pre-shot routine. If you're a little slower and more relaxed and everything, then you probably need to play golf that way. But it's, it's the consistency of the routine. That's so important. Yeah, I would never tell somebody that the exact amount of time, 25 seconds, is perfect for everybody. It's not. So, I mean, just like they come in here, I'm not looking for the perfect golf swing. I'm looking for their perfect golf swing, whatever that is. And, I mean, let's just try to do that as consistently as we can. Yeah. Pre-shot routine, same way. One of the things that, going back to the acceptance that's been, again, so, so – huge for me and I wish I would have known this going going back to when I was playing is this this idea that you just can't guard against bad shots and you you've got to be and what I mean by that yeah sure like there's there's certain situ certain areas where you just don't want to go into but then that's where you pick the right club and so this this idea that you know we we've talked a lot about 18 at sawgrass big dog leg left par four water left and and out and in trouble right we don't want to hit it in the water but we can't tell our brain that we can't hit it in the water. We can't tell our brain that like we have to do everything in our power to not hit it in the water there. So then brain says, okay, fine. Then acceptance, then, then okay is a million yards, right? There's a fine line between, you know, we we've got to convince ourselves of what we're trying to do, not what we're trying to avoid. And so we've got to stay focused on the brain. The, we've got to push the brain into the situation where we're, we're focused more on the tree. We're trying to hit it at. We can live with the results of where it may go or may not go. We're not going to die. If we hit bad shots, we've got to be able to accept every outcome. We don't have to live with it. We don't, or we don't have to be okay with it, but we have to live with it. We've got to deal with it. Cause for me, it was always, I can't hit it left. So I'd hit it way right. Or I would overcook it and hit it left. And so I think, I think it's really helped my own game trying to really push, push everybody into saying, or trying to push me into saying, it's okay if I hit this left or it's okay if I hit this right. I'm not, I'm not going to die. Am I going to like it? No, but now what I'm wanting to do, I want to hit it. I want to try to hit it there and I'm going to free swing and let it go and see what happens. And I can accept the results post post shot too. It's a, it's an interesting concept, but I think it's so important because if you're over a three footer saying you can't miss this, or you have to make this, these, these, big massive words that that mean too much to us it, it can lead you down a very very scary and slippery slope and this is funny that we're talking about this you know the truth is when I was playing golf I ended up understanding realizing that I could never say to myself I can't do this but it wasn't it wasn't like I was conscious of that it just never worked out when I did that yeah so I ended up not doing that sort of thing. I mean, the beauty of the world that we're living in as far as golf is concerned now is people are beginning to be able to put their thoughts into verbiage like we're talking about it right now so other people can understand how to talk to themselves. I knew self-talk was either good or bad, yeah. depending on how I'd use the self-talk. Yeah. I knew that good self-talk was productive as well as I finally understood that bad self-talk was negative yep. to the outcome. And, 
you know, I ended up learning how to say to myself, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And never say, I don't want to do this because the opposite is what's going to happen every time. I mean, we're, we're all sensitive to, you know, something bad. So we're going to choose the other. And, I always remember talking about, we've talked about this on here some too, but I always remember talking about flinches, man, I flinched. I didn't, I wasn't, I tell my dad, I wasn't committed. Well, why not? And I didn't really know why, but a lot of it was, I was always in protection mode. And, and you, you know, you mentioned toward the end of your career, you realized that to me saying, I can't hit it here is protection mode. Like you, and there's a, there's this aura of confidence and like, I want to say narcissistic, but it's not really that, but there's, when you're really feeling it, like you, you're, you're going to aim at a tree and let it go and, and almost be damned of the consequences, right? Like it doesn't matter where it goes. And it's so hard to play that way, especially when you have some history of hitting bad shots or whatever it is, but that's what you have to try to do. Well, where did the word yips come from living in negative self-talk and not wanting to do something? Correct. I mean, your your yips are because you already are fearful of what you're about to do. You've already seen it. Instead yeah. of being committed to what you want to do, yeah. I mean, if you were really committed to what you wanted to do, that wouldn't be entering into your mind what you're yeah. afraid of. Yeah. And you know, I mean, yips is totally never committed to anything other than continuing to yip. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it started and it definitely started as a lack of commitment that or, or we were worried about the results or whatever it was, a lack of acceptance for sure. And then it manifests itself into this major, major monster that you can't control anymore. You just can't control mentally or physically what the heck's going on. Well, kind of like when you go out to teach somebody the short game and they're yipping it, all of a sudden you move their focus to, OK, let's. Let's concentrate on the interaction of the club to the ground, basically. So you've moved their focus away from the result to something else, and all of a sudden they get committed to the ground interaction. Yep. And bruise the ground. They're committed to something at that point. That's right. Bruise the ground instead of reacting to hitting the golf ball, and it's amazing what what what'll happen. One of our uh, one of our students played well at state, and uh, she was quoted in the in the news or in the article on the online or whatever. I say newspaper. I don't think there's newspapers anymore, but she was quoted online saying that uh, her her self talk the whole time was she has no future, she has no past, and it was funny because we were talking about that before she went and played. It's an, it's the old warriors mantra that I've quoted on here before. But you have no future, you have no past. Your only goal is to make the present last. But her saying was no future, no past, no future, no past, and I love that because. That's essentially, you know, the the art of being committed or trying, you know, say the art of being in the zone is number one, being on time to, to quote again, Raymond Pryor, being on time, number one, being present, being where your feet are and then being accepting. And and without, you know, some of the biggest shots you hit in your your career from the be the right club today at 18 at, at players to having to hit the tee shot at Riviera to beat Jack or even the second shot like you had to be there. You know, you couldn't be where you were four or five holes or think about where you were four or five holes ago, or you couldn't be in a position where you're thinking about raising the trophy. You had to be right there first and foremost. So I'll, I'll, I'll uh, expound on that just a little bit. I made a really difficult four or five foot downhill putt on the 71st hole at Riviera to maintain a one-shot lead. And I was playing with Ben Crenshaw. 
and it was tough, man. I mean, uh, if I miss the hole, I've got at least a five or six footer coming back. And I mean, it was a defining moment. I had to make that putt. And when I hit it, I knew it was in, it wasn't going to, it was tracking right on line. And Ben said, I thought you were going to pick it up before it got in the hole. That's how much it meant to me. I fast forward, Mo, go to the 18th tee. I wasn't thinking about that putt I just made. Right. All of a sudden, okay, now I've got to drive it in the fairway. I wasn't thinking about making a par. The only thing that you can do, you could not hit it left because it was going to hang up in the grass, the Kikuya grass, and I could not hang it out to the right because then the eucalyptus trees were going to block me out. So I had to hit a really good tee shot down the fairway. My brain was only on that shot, committing to that shot. So to your point, there is no past and there is no future. It's living in the present right there. Yep. And do you think that, again, it sounds so simple, on time, can we be on time? Can we be, can we be present? And can we accept, can we accept the, the, the outcome? The answer is no, we can't do it all the time. You know, how, and, and I would say you, you probably had better commitment than most tour players that I've, I've spoken to. I mean, obviously you guys were all really good, but I would say your, your mental game was probably better than most, but even then you had your struggles and, and had your say demons that you dealt with. How do we get to a point where we're, we own our mental game. We're super consistent with our mental game. I don't. Habit has something to do with it. You know, I've played for, I, I didn't walk out there on the tour in 1982 with that. Let's just say that. Uh, I had to learn how to do it. And then I did it enough that it became easier for me to do. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, it's a learned skill. And I'll tell you this I had somebody tell me this the other day when they really are playing in the present and they're dealing with the shot at hand, and we call that one shot at a time, they're give out when they finish the round. And I would agree with that 100%. Every time that I was mentally into the present, which was producing usually good results, I was tired when I finished. And, you know, if you're just going through the motions, you're not that tired. You're not working your brain. And, you know, you're mentally exhausted. You're not physically exhausted. You're mentally give out. Especially if, it, if the golf course is fairly difficult and it's you're, you know, playing in a tournament or playing for something that matters. You know, like yeah. I, I mentioned I played in a tournament last week and I was had to leave going in the last round and end up time for first. And, lost in a playoff but I I think I told you I I felt like I was walking a tightrope all day and I just I was I was completely I got home and my kids were jumping all over me and I was so tired like I, I didn't have anything left and I I did a really good job of, for the most part of staying on time and, and committed and accepting and all that stuff but I to your point I was just like worn out because my my only goal was to be locked into what I was wanting to do on every shot and then after you hit the shot, you move on and you can look at houses or trees or sing a song or something, but to be locked in a hundred percent on every shot. Yeah. I mean, to do it, I remember in college trying to do it for 36 holes. You'd always see guys have six or seven hole lapses where they just make a couple bogeys because it was impossible to be locked in that long. It's just too tiring. You couldn't do it. Well, 
you know, I think one of the points that need to be made here around the golf is anywhere from four to four and a half hours long. You can't stay locked in for the whole four and a half hours long. You stay locked in when it's time to lock in before the shot until after the shot is gone and you've accepted it. Then you release, you let go, and then you come back in. That's work because you're having to remind yourself all the time, okay, it's time to get back in here. And then it's time to let it go. It's time to get back in. It's time to let it go. And, you know, it's, it's before you know it, you've ended up hitting two or three shots and you've not reminded yourself to lock in and get committed about something. You're just kind of going through the motions. And so, you know, even people that play at a high level do that sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, what's interesting i don't know if i talked to you about this that there was a one of our students was at the was at the pga was at southern hills and he was on the eight, back of the grandstand on 18 when mito was going into hitting the tee shot and he said that somebody yelled out don't worry or something about don't worry mito this is only the biggest shot of your career like yelled it out loud and and he said mito like turned around and like kind of like not like come on jerk you know why would you say that but and everybody kind of groaned and then you know obviously the rest is history he overcut it in the water my question would be if if he could go back or if he would answer this question was he was that a free golf swing was he completely committed and locked in and you know he might say yes and then you can live with the results but my guess is there was his world was bigger as you say than it than it should have been well to be honest with you, it would have been best if he hadn't even acknowledged it. That would have told me he was paying attention to what he needed to do. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry if you can be distracted that easily from from the biggest moment of your life, then you need to learn from that. Yeah. And, and you and know, some fan that is way off that makes some comment like that can't right. distract you from that. And, and even if even if he heard it and, and acknowledged it acknowledged it mentally, he it probably didn't do him any favors by turning around and looking at the guy. You know, he probably no. should have just sloughed it off and or tried to anyway. It's 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 really hard to do. One of the things that you know, when I asked you about um, how do we practice it, how do we uh, how do we own our mental game? You know, people talk about owning your swing, and and we've we've made the analogy a lot on here. You know, your mental game is going to ebb and flow up and down through kind of a little bit of a roller coaster, just like your physical game is. Like, you're never going to have them. Very rarely are they both clicking on all cylinders. And when they are, you need to go play a bunch of golf and a bunch of tournaments when they do. Um, But one of the things that I think hurts us nowadays, and I think you would agree with this, is the phone. I think the phone makes it so much harder for us to be, for me, especially I'm I'm an information junkie. So for me to be on time, like on time for me is my nose in a phone reading about something. You know, and it's it's a it's distracting, and it's and it's making my attention span go go shorter and shorter. So it'd be it'd be interesting to see like if we could do a study on on your generation of, of PJ Tour players versus today's generation. If you guys were able to lock in and stay stay focused and and stay on time better than today's generation because of the technology and the the, the distractions of technology. Well, I know for a fact I can't even st- I can't sit down and lock in on a TV. Uh, show as hard as I used to be able to because the phone sitting right here or someone else says something to me or whatever else. Uh, even when I'm trying to lock in and understand what they're saying. Uh, yes, there's so many distractions in the world now compared to when I was playing the game. 
Uh, I hate the phone. Can I turn it off right now? <laughs> It's the only time it's it's the only time it's worth anything is when it's we're we're using it to shoot a podcast. That's it. (laughs) Um, so let's let's go back into accepting a little bit because because you said a couple things and this is where you know we we were talking about decade and Scott Fawcett stuff a little bit off off air and we had talked about driver versus three wood or whatever and I I think club selection especially off the tee is so important when it comes to this accepting and when it comes to where the trouble is. So let's say again, tough hole, whether it's again, 18 at Sawgrass or, or whatever the case may be. And you're going through your routine and you're saying, I literally, I, I cannot hit it over there. Like you, you actually can't accept hitting it in a certain spot. Then that's where you've got to change, change your strategy. That's where it's got to be. Okay. Well, if I can't hit it left on 18 and go out of bound or go in the water, so you got a three shot lead with one hole to play. That might be where, okay, fine. We're hitting, we're changing our strategy and hitting six or seven iron off the tee. But if you're willing to pull the club, you have to be, you have to be accepting of all results. But that's, that's where this strategy thing is so important. If you can't live with the result, then you've got to, you've got to pick a different strategy or you can't play. That's just, those are the, those are the rules. Well, that's kind of been where I, if I have any differences with Scott, that's it because I'm not going to let necessarily the math equation be a defining moment for me uh, when I don't, I'm not feeling the shot and I can't commit to it. And, you know, that's, um, you know, even though the mathematics says that I'm supposed to go with that, I'm not feeling it and I can't commit to it. So I'm not going to do it. And, um, you know, that's where I'm at. I'm not going to – I mean, I think to me the easiest way to commit to the shot, and I think everybody needs to listen to this, is to pull the club that you have the most confidence to be able to hit that shot with, whatever that is. I mean, if you pull a club that you're not 100% sure of, it's going to be really hard to commit to that. Yep. And, you know, I played – I mean, my idol was Jack Nichols. Boy, he used the three wood a lot. And he was known as a great driver of the ball. But he used the three wood a lot. And, you know, I used the three wood a lot in my lifetime. And, you know, if I needed to hit a a real consistent draw, I could do that a lot easier with a three wood than I could a driver. And if distance wasn't the biggest issue, you can bet your bottom dollar that a three wood would have been in my hand. Yeah, I, mean, sure. I think of Henrik Stenson, you know, had a ton of success with a three-wood that he loved. Phil, Phil's driven it much better with a three-wood than he ever did with a driver. Um, to me, I, again, I'm with you on that. I think if, if you can't commit to it, if you can't, if you can't make a free golf swing, then it doesn't matter what the math says. If you need to, if you need to hit iron off the tee to make a free golf swing because you're not trusting driver, you can work on driver later. You can go back to the math once you're a bit more trusting the driver. I don't, I don't, to me, I don't see anything wrong because like we've talked about all the time, that one bad swing could have months of consequences, years of consequences, depending on the situation. You know, trying, to, trying to hit a soft pitch on a, from a short-sighted spot with a tough lie to, with a bunch of people watching you and you mess it up, you may get, you may, that may manifest itself into the yips. You may have the yips for six months based off that one decision. Like it's it, and it's it, that's what makes this game so hard and diabolical, but it's true. And so, living with being able to accept the consequences, good or bad, is key. And if you can't accept the consequence, 
in that situation, then you need to change your strategy. That's just that's just it. You have to. No doubt. No so, doubt. I, I I would do everything I can to impress on people to pull whatever club you have that you feel you can be confident with. You can commit to that club. Yeah. So anyway, what's what's interesting? So going back to to the tournament I played in last week. Um, I made a bunch of birdies. I think I shot four under for two rounds and had like 12 birdies in an eagle. And that's kind of my, my game in college was always, I'd, I'd, my coach would say, Cooper, how the heck did you shoot 72 with two eagles and five birdies? I'm like, well, I made two triples. Like that was always kind of been how I played golf. Um, but what was interesting, I, I, I drove it really well, but I made a bunch of little mistakes. I missed a bunch of couple, three or four little four footers. And I, I made a couple bogeys with wedges in my hand. And, and like I said, I was walking a tightrope. I was not comfortable all day long. I, w I was committed for the most part, but I wasn't, I was just uneasy. And looking back at every bad shot I hit, especially a couple of wedges I hit, I could feel like I couldn't at the time. I wasn't, I wasn't locked in at the time enough to, to, to back off. But after the shot, I could almost feel my subconscious trying not to hit it in a certain spot. Like I could almost feel my subconscious, like a back right pin saying, don't like a little whisper in my ear was like, don't leave it short. Don't leave it short. Don't leave it short. And then I would nuke it over and, and short hit it over and have a tough chip and make bogey. And I, I remember thinking to myself afterwards, I was like, man, I thought I was committed when I was over it, but looking back, I wasn't. And so true commitment, while I think it's, it's incredibly hard to attain, I think as we get better at it, we'll start to kind of see, read the signs. And I'd be like, nope, get the get the negative get the there's no worry about hitting this short right if i hit it short right okay i can deal with it instead what do i want to do but my brain overruled me and overrode me a little bit and i gave it a little bit extra and ended up hitting it long because there was some some little little voice in my head saying don't do this don't do this and i i did it anyway so while i was trying to be committed i could still feel myself not not completely locked in on all these shots and it drives me crazy that i even failed on it but it's that was my biggest takeaway like while i was Gunning for pure commitment, I still didn't. I still didn't get it right, and I still got more work to do. So, this I think this is really important right now. Hitting instant replay and replay all the thoughts and being honest with yourself. See what you're doing right now is being honest with yourself about what actually happened. See, you wouldn't want to do that. Like, for instance, if you were having this conversation with your dad when you were growing up, you wouldn't have wanted to be that honest with him. Ever. And I wouldn't have either, you know. And I think there's a lot of kids that are listening to us out there right now that can't be that honest with themselves. And our parents are trying to get us to be that honest with ourselves. Right. But it, it's an insecurity or an admittance that, we're not flawless and we're trying to be flawless. Yeah. Uh, but if you really want to be the best you can be, you've got to learn how to be totally honest with yourself about what you were thinking, whether you were truly committed or actually not committed, whether you were trying to keep from doing something rather than trying to do something. Yeah. And you know, if, if you can be that honest with yourself, there's room for growth. Yep. And there's a lot of good stuff you said there. Number one, I think that, and, and parents want to try to be non-judgmental when they have those conversations, but they don't come off as that at all. And the kid just is no. judging, judging, judging. And so it's just, they're literally banging their heads against each other. 
uh, one of our players said something the other day about he feels like he plays anxiety-ridden golf or anxiety-driven anxiety golf. Like he's always anxious about what may happen. And to me, that's exactly what I feel or always felt and what you're talking about. Instead of worrying about what may happen, again, you've got to go back to what are you trying to do? What is the shot you're trying to hit? And if you can all, like I, yeah. And, and, and what's funny too, when I was younger, it was always, if I hit those shots, like I would look back and say, or, or the putts I missed, I pulled one of them that I felt like I was committed to. And then two of them, I kind of pushed because I wasn't committed to them. I would have, I would have always blamed my stroke. I would have said I needed to go putt a, hit a bunch of putts and go fix my stroke. And then all the bad iron shots or wedges I hit was, they were always golf swing issues. Always. It was always like, Oh, I pulled three, three wedges today. And then looking back at what really happened, it was like, no, my target wasn't as clear as it needed to be. And I wasn't completely locked into, I guess, being accepting of any of whatever the outcome may be. I, I was still trying to protect it too much and subconscious took over. And it's, it, again, I, I keep saying it's impossible to do, but it's the only way to be great. It's the only way to be consistent at this game is to control all these little things and, and try to play as free as you can play. Try to make as free a golf swings as you can make and let the result be what it is. So to me, something that I want to play on something that you, you said earlier, learn how to make a free swing. Uh, to me, if we can make a free putting stroke, like I'm not trying to keep from doing anything, I'm trying to do this and I'm just going to freely do it. I'm freely doing it. You can accept the result. But if, I mean, how putts have you hit in your lifetime where you're in the midst of it and you can't hardly get your lead arm through? Yep. I mean, I mean, everybody listening to us out there is had that experience where they, their lead arm is wanting to slow down because they're fearful of missing. And boy, if the lead arm slows down, yep. trust me, yep. we, we're going to miss. Or the same, or the same thing with chipping, pitching yips, yeah. right? Like similar concepts, and and that's it's funny you said that because yesterday we had a, a a short game, a guy we were talking about chipping stuff, and I I was literally trying to make him. He had to tell me when he made a a pitching motion that was completely free. Like I wanted zero care at all, and like the only way he could tell is like, was that free? He's like, no. I was like, well, what'd you feel? And he goes, I felt my hands tense up a little bit. And I was like, okay, so there's protection in there somewhere. You just got to make this swing. Like all your focus on is freedom. Feel like Gumby, no tension, nothing. Contact the ground, freedom. And I said, you'll get to a point where you almost feel like you throw the club after the ball. And he hit when he kind of looked at me and goes, that was the easiest swing I've ever made. And I was like, yeah, cause you're not, you're not fearful of one me judging you. You're not fearful of the result. Your 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 attention is on the ground, and then you're just trying to take tension out and and be free and let it go. And he he kind of looked at me like I, I was crazy, but it was the it was the it was the best feeling he'd ever he'd he'd ever felt. We we get we get to be prison we we become prisoners of the golf ball or the result or embarrassment or our buddies talking crap to us or or posting a number or whatever it is. And and I think you you've always nailed it on the head with that's making our world too big. We've got to make our world smaller. Now here are some of the things we can do to try to try to make continue to keep our world small because it's our brain is wanting to expand it. It doesn't like uh, it doesn't like surprises. So it's trying to control everything, but it just can't. You got to keep it small and keep keep trying to keep it that small. Well, uh, 
smaller world makes it easier to control things. And what we're looking to do is to control the environment around us, control our thoughts and everything else. And, uh, you know, as we climb the ladder of success, our world gets bigger naturally. And, uh, and that doesn't really matter whether you're just improving to where you're moving from the second flight to the first flight in the club championship. Right. You know, your world is getting, your uh, it's getting bigger because people have more expectations on you. And, uh, you know, trying to control the environment around you is, best you can is good but you've got to stay free doing it and uh it's hard to do and, and i think that goes into i think the better we can get at pre-round self-talk i think is really carl dr carl morris talked about this a lot like tr being accepting even before the round but like for me you know sleeping on the lead i wasn't even i wasn't even nervous but for me my goal was going into the round like free committed golf swings on the first hole. Like I wanted to be just committed and go. I didn't have any thought of, oh, I got to shoot under par or I got to do this. So I got to break, I got to break 75 or I got to, you know, it was like, no, first hole, let, let it go and let it rip. And I think for you guys out there playing in your club championship coming up, you know, you need to think more, let's see how it goes versus if I do this, I'm going to do this. Or if I do this, I'm going to do this. Or I need to shoot, I need to break 80. Or I need to do this. Or I shot this last year. None of that stuff matters. Go out there, be accepting of the result, and let's see how it goes and add it up at the end. And go back to the old cliche of one shot at a time versus these having these expectations or getting out ahead of yourself. Expectations are just you not being on time. You're expecting to do this, and then you don't. And then you're either deflated or now you have to deal with deal with all the other stuff. Well, I, yes, I totally agree with you. Uh, get you a uh, get committed to the first shot. Have no expectations other than that one shot, yeah. and then once you've done that, move on to the next shot. Keep it small, keep it simple, and keep it in the present. Uh, I think. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Sorry. Well. You know, one of the things that I've been heavy on my mind lately, and I, I think I want to bring this up, you know, we talk about how to get better at golf and, and what we found and we bring on people on the podcast that we feel like can help everybody get better. But I've got a challenge for everybody else out there. Uh, I've been really bothered ever since this Uvalde shooting has happened. And uh, I wanted to challenge everybody. Let's pick a kid a young man, a young woman, or somebody, and let's influence their life through the game of golf instead of something else. Let's take them to the golf course. Let's spend time with them, and let's introduce them to something that keeps their mind going in that direction. I can't help but think that some of the people that do some of these bad things spend all their time doing other things or thinking about uh, their world is really big, in other words, instead of small. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I won't, my heart goes out to all those families that suffered those losses. And, uh, you know, I don't know what the answer here is. Uh, I just know we talk about golf on this podcast and I know how good golf can be. And I know how all consuming golf can be. So let's, let's introduce some kids to the game. Yeah. Tons of lives have been 
changed for the better because of the game. It, it, it changed their focus to, from something else to this. And it's, the sport is so awesome for, for that. And again, from head pros to, to good players that take, take young kids under their wings and just teach them how to play the game. I mean, there's so many benefits to it. And, and obviously, yeah, our hearts and our, our thoughts and prayers go out to pretty close by the the Uvalde shooting was pre pretty close by to home here and uh again such a tragic situation that that yeah could have obviously may not have been changed because of uh, because of golf but it could change future bad things golf could help change future bad things if if we could get more more kids out there enjoying this this awesome game and and focusing their attention somewhere else yeah I hope uh, everybody's making lots of birdies out there but yeah. if not let's teach a kid how to play that's right. It's the beginning of the summer, so you guys are planning a bunch of tournaments. So go, uh, go be on time. Accept the results. Let it fly, and go win, win all your tournaments. We want to hear all about all your awesome results. Hal, see you next time. See you next time, Chase. Be the right club today. Yes!